Hello all, welcome to the Lunar Sea Spire Cartoon Fan Podcast. This is episode 442, and today we'll be talking about Them's the Breaks Kid from the Owl House. I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. So who's ready for story time with Ida Clawthorn, baby? Me. Everyone. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Such a nice story. You love flashbacks. And when you get to meet Rain Whispers as a lovable rapscallion, I don't think you can do much better. Yeah, it was a really, really adorable story, especially seeing Ida kind of branch out outside of um, only having uh, Lilith as her single friend. So it was really cute seeing them both hit it off so well. But more importantly, uh, Faust bump backstory was not expecting that, right? <laughs> that there was another principal to Hexide and seeing Bump be the, you know, bumbling up and comer. Yeah, Bump <laughs> did not conquer this high school to be treated like that. It's so funny. Like, he's not even trying to impose new ideas or, like, make the school better. He's just actually trying to follow the law, which I'm surprised that there is law because no one seems to care <laughs> at all. I mean, Tara absolutely doesn't. Tara Snapdragon is a covenhead. She's powerful. She can. This is an authoritarian society. The rules do not apply to her. She uses the rules to abuse other people. When she wants to do something, she just does it. But why do they even have laws protecting children if the covenheads want to poison them? So they can claim that they have them. It's yeah. It's it's weird. I don't know. Like, and the principle too. Well, the principle is more arbitrary. He makes up rules. This is actually a fairly easy episode to summarize. Luz is working hard, interpreting some unfinished glyph combos from Philip's journal, so she's uh, trying some out. Ida tells her a story about her childhood to calm her down, uh, how she got on Faust's bad side for attacking him with a grudgeby ball, and so he sent her to... What would we call this? Like an academic decathlon event, except much less academically rigorous, <laughs> uh, with principal, with vice principal at the time, Bump, with his career and her career at Hexide on the line. Ida does not want to be separated from Lilith. They both have big ambitions of going into the Emperor's Coven. So at first, Ida finds the place to be quite a drag, but she meets a young Rain Whispers who shows her how to really bring some flair to the whole place, and they just kick everybody's butt. But Terra Snapdragon has other ideas about handing out ribbons. Uh, she wants to spice things up, turns it into a bit of a game of combat, but even though they're on opposite teams, Ida and Rain refuse to fight each other. They, in fact, launch a combined attack against Terra without having to discuss the matter at all. She blocks the attack, appreciates their spunk, and says nobody gets a ribbon. But, uh, Thankfully, is willing to put in a good word with Faust so Ida doesn't get expelled and Bump doesn't get fired. You neglected the part where they powered up their spell against Terra by doing a secret handshake. <laughs> <laughs> well, they had already had experience doing that handshake, so I'll give them that. What I think the more interesting revelation is uh, this is where Rain reveals the whistle on your drink to change it chemically trick and then at the end of the episode we get to see that used to um quite interesting effect it appears rain may not be as brainwashed as we were led to believe yeah um 
And of course, everybody saw that like Darius was in on it and it became like very cool revelations. Oh, come on. That could be anyone's abomination. Are are you implying that there's something distinct to he it? He has like, the same hairstyle. <laughs> um <laughs> Yes, absolutely. Uh, uh. And this is where I coined the term Covens Against the Throne um a couple episodes early. Uh, spoilers. I didn't immediately know it was Darius's. Okay. <laughs> I you couldn't thought... identify the hair? The hair was wonderful. <laughs> I was like, what a interesting, completely independent little guy who lives in a brick. That's fun. <laughs> I wonder who he's working with. Uh, you know. Well, I, now you know. Now, now and knowing know. is half the battle. Uh, it, I, I did like the twist that Rain had just basically been immune from the effects of the drinks the whole time i don't know if like have they been faking even having brain fog i just assumed that rain was faking the whole time i'm pretty sure rain had an idea what tara was up to when she comes up and is like hey have some tea buddy maybe like the first one rain drank and was like this tastes awful and tried to like spice it up themselves and then realized oh that's why i have my headache and that's what like kind of snapped him out of it i yeah is is good though but now that i've seen you know the very latest <laughs> episodes of owl house i'm i'm just sad now <laughs> sad knowing that sad all of rain's work is just well hasn't gone completely to waste i suppose but it's not like whatever's about to go down on the Day of Unity is gonna gonna be good. So, oh well. Yeah, a draining spell. Can you believe it? I mean, I, I, I this was not the direction I intend. I expected that Bellus was gonna send everything. That's an ambitious plan. And what does the diagram show in this frame at the end? Is it just all the magic goes up in the sky? Where does where does the magic go? I don't think they know, but they do know, obviously, that it's called a draining spell, so the magic is getting drained upwards. They don't necessarily know for what. Right. Not that I think Bellos cares, as long as it kills the witches. Exactly. <laughs> right, I'm excited for that revelation, where his plan becomes a lot stupider. <laughs> What's then. it referring to when it says doors being moved? Is that the door that Bellos is making? The portal? Uh, yeah, yeah. He's reconstructing the the door. Uh, he's moving it to the head, to the head, to the skull. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's just he's gonna kill everybody and just walk through that door and leave. An amazingly simple plan. <laughs> well, what's interesting is that before he got the briefcase from Luce, his plan was to just kill everybody and then just be chilling. <laughs> well, there are other islands with people on them. Perhaps he could go and do the same trick twice. He would have killed Hunter also in that draining spell. Ooh, completely not his problem. <laughs> but he would have had to make a new one. Eh. Yeah, so you stay on the Boiling Isles for a few years until Hunter is big enough to walk on his own. And then you say, okay, uh, buddy, something terrible happened here. Wild magic is bad. We have to go and spread the word about how terrible wild magic is. Yeah, starting over from scratch, though. I mean, I guess there will be loads upon loads of orphan children 
on the boiling aisles that he can brainwash. Ooh, yeah, he could use them, couldn't he? Yeah, but they would probably, uh, he would have to switch identities. I don't think they would listen to Bellos after all that. I mean, his body in that soil that he got in the second episode of season three was almost done. But back to this flashback, not the flash forward we're having. <laughs> I, I want to know, how are they supposed to know that that was a Grunchby ball? In that uh, little, it's a circle, what is it? I mean, did did Rain just know from previous years and they're too stupid to change it up every year? Maybe they got verbal hints. I want to know how this kid just drew Earth and knew what that looked like. Maybe Amity wasn't the only Azura fan after all. She's just the only one who bought anything. I, yeah, Maybe. it's still weird to me. Like, that's just another reinforcing point that the Boiling Isles is completely aware of the other dimension. Whereas Earth doesn't, or it's extremely shrouded in myth. Yeah, they they get magazines, they get videos, they do have tons of stuff. I mean, it's not just Azura. I mean, is it, isn't it really one way, though? Like, the human world just bleeds into the demon realm? It might just be because the human world has so much garbage floating in the ocean. Yeah. We've talked about this. <laughs> versus the Boiling Isles just doesn't produce that much insane amount of trash. So maybe, like, every once in a while, something kind of messed up washes up on shore. And, you know, people were like, oh, it's a fish from the Mariana's Trench or something like that. But it's actually, right. I don't know, from the Boiling Isles or something. Yeah, they were able to banish the giraffes. So there's some way to send stuff back without that door. Yep. I, I just got to call out. I, I know everybody saw it. Terra even called it out. But I love that instead of the boring acronym that they had before, she comes up with heck. Welcome to heck. <laughs> Which is like pushing it so close to. um. Now, what backronym do you think they could have gone with if they wanted something a little spicier? Now, I think they could have gone with helping educate leaders leaders what yeah exactly guys? i was saying like tara wanted to cuss so badly um but <laughs> they couldn't kid show it's like how in wizard 101 they had heck hounds instead of hell hounds because apparently children can't handle the word hell god forbid even though they hear it uh, in, like they can in church. the hunchback of notre dame you know yeah they do say hell <laughs> it's perfectly but, fine i know so it, it just like i think kids can handle the word hell like, what's the level for Disney censors? If the acronym was hell, but she just didn't say the acronym, is that <laughs> is that too much? I think that would have been okay. Like, Rocco's Modern Life got away with some crazy stuff on Nickelodeon, so... I don't know, I feel like Hunchback of Notre Dame was also unique because it was specifically about Catholicism. Like, they used loads of just straight-up religion. Not metaphors. They're like, oh, these are Catholics, and they're talking about Catholicism and their faith and all that. And so saying the word hell in the context of place where Catholics go when they die versus hell as in, like, we're saying a funny joke curse word might be the context. Like, maybe that's where Disney draws the line. Very good of them to be a little context sensitive there. For, for some reason, I'm thinking of the bit in OKKO where... It's okay for Radicles to ride on the hood of the car, but he has to be wearing a seatbelt. <laughs> and it's like, 
yeah, we had to do this because of the censors. And I'm like, well, thank God for the censors then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the seatbelts in that show always seemed like they were taking an extra step beyond anything that S&P was saying. Well, also, Camilla said she wanted seatbelts on the broom, so maybe they're referencing that. <laughs> I think she's just terrified of that uh, ride she just had. No windshield to go through, though, so... At least when you hit the ground, there won't be any glass in your face. <laughs> yeah, when you get ejected, you will have absolutely no slowdown to your velocity as you go flying into the ether. <laughs> Although Luce has, Luce has fallen from some insane heights and just been totally fine in this show, so... And remember, she's fragile compared to the witches, so... I, I think there's a reason they don't need the seatbelts. Is she? They call her out as fragile, anyway. I think they just say that to mess with her. I don't think she's actually physically any more fragile if, like, visual evidence from the show has anything. Mm. She is able to pick up Amity after working out her weak nerd arms, so. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, Amity is probably also, like, a hundred pounds soaking wet, so. It's all about appearances in the Blight household, so. <laughs> gotta watch that figure once we start oh talking God. about like the weight of the characters i just my brain goes to weird places like oh yeah and like 80 percent of their weights just in their heads <laughs> that drawn. is cause, yeah because it's a cartoon <laughs> right yeah i mean th there's there's a methylamule joke in there somewhere yeah he has a lot of weight in his head yeah but his his head is heavier because of the ego <laughs> Uh, Bump definitely did not fail Ida as an educator this day. I, I think I think it was good for him to take a chance on her. It's just she succeeded not in any way that he would have wanted. Exactly. But that's okay. By making friends with a rich, powerful person. <laughs> <laughs> I think with um principal or vice principal Bump, that kind of, I like how it kind of recontextualizes those first few episodes in season one where, you know, Ida goes up to him and he's like, you caused nothing but trouble the entire time you were here, but was still, like, respectful enough of her, and you could tell that he did have a soft spot for Ida. I guess they went through the fires of battle that day. Yeah. Just like, uh, Hootie and King. Ida being absolutely understanding of the fact that this whole thing was really just to embarrass Bump, and not that much to do with her. Hey, what are you doing here? Yeah, I made a deal with the devil. <laughs> <laughs> More literal in this case than usual. It was like she has those moments of mature awareness, <laughs> but clearly that didn't, you know, influence how she behaved at Hexide afterwards, right? Because eventually she either, is it that she gets kicked out or does she just stop attending school at some point? Uh, she, I think she leaves after her transformation at the yeah. tryout. Okay, right. But doesn't she, even in this episode, call out that, yeah, ever since Tara put in a good word with Faust, I can do whatever I want here? <laughs> yeah, I think she left voluntarily, especially after her curse kicked in. Lily going to the coven and, you know, being separated from Ida and the curse and, you know, being, well, feeling like she was ostracized from her family, even if her family obviously still supported her. She can't face them, but that's very different than being ostracized. Yeah, and it was never revealed how she found the briefcase, or was it just that she, like, bumped into yeah, it? She literally she trips it over it. Okay, that's dirt. right. <laughs> in, in the backyard, which is amazing. Yeah, what a backstory. I cannot wait to find out. I really hope that they do tell us what where that briefcase came from. 
there must have been an original plan for that that they had to abandon when they learned the oh, series was being cut short. Oh, it's gonna become They gotta relevant. tell us. It's gonna happen, because there's the weird, mysterious figure in the in-between world, and I'm sure that that and thing... And Evelyn, and... Dropped yeah, the briefcase, yeah, yeah. you know, I don't know. Okay, okay. It's too important. It's like a major... We see that dang eyeball in every... <laughs> in every intro like right in every theme song so well we didn't get an intro today no sir we had places to be no this is oh, rain yeah. central yeah what to say about rain i mean they act a lot like i would have expected them <laughs> to act as a kid i don't think rain changed that much yeah like very um feisty and troublesome when like not in the spotlight but gets like all shy with stage fright and also having this reputation of being like extremely competent and powerful despite being in the like stigmatized magic coven yeah it's like i am very awesome for a bard actually i guess most people join the bard coven because they enjoy music whereas rain's like look at the cool stuff i can do with sound yeah the absolute destructive cab whistle was pretty cool and and then the the circle that they made on the ground right as everybody was about to get to them with their foot um in the maze that was also really cool like rain is just genuinely a very impressive witch and i like how we're getting this this kind of backstory of what the character was like and yeah getting those scholarships at saint epiderm which we learned is on the knee uh they're cold they're up there yeah. just like we saw adventures in the elements yeah and so the their entire family moved just so Rain could go to Hexide. I wonder if they were really happy to get away from the cold, or if that's just the silver lining in the cloud. Maybe, maybe they've been thinking about it for a while, and that was just the push that they needed. Hey, I don't know, it could have been a pretty big hand wave, because the type of family putting their kid into private school, I don't know. <laughs> Did they really want this outcome? They've been putting Rain in these triathlon things every year. I don't know. But I did enjoy that for as strict a disciplinarian as they set Faust up to be, they gave him a good reason to keep Ida around rather than just automatically expelling her like he does with everyone else. I loved his. You have to have appropriately squeaky shoes, not too squeaky and not insufficiently squeaky. But he wants Ida around because he wants to study malicious children and you can't get much more malicious than Ida. I don't think she's malicious. I think she just does not respect you or care about you in any way. She's a miscreant above all, and that is malicious <laughs> as far as Faust is concerned. They were feeding. She was feeding the detention pit green jello <laughs> because it was its birthday. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Ida is just like doesn't care about the rules and is much more into helping out the little guy, aka the detention pit, than that put her at odds with. You know. She's probably made very good friends with the detention pit, having spent quite a lot of time there herself. True. Absolutely true. <laughs> yeah, it's just entertaining. Like, Faust Faust is up there as one of the most evil-looking, horrifying <laughs> creatures in the show. So, hearing him just being petty about the squeakiness of shoes and then calling Ida, you know, absolute evil was, was great. <laughs> I know, I love Faust's design. Um, they really went all out with that just, like, really demonic-looking character. And the fact that he, like, cracks his neck sideways so he can turn around without his horns hitting the the wall is really funny. 
maybe a little bit of ah real monsters in his design, do you think? What is that from? The 90s. <laughs> the before times. Yeah, it's just a Nick show about, well, real monsters. Ah! Ah! <laughs> that's, that's the title. It's a, that's a hilarious joke. Uh, yeah, they got the, they, I don't know, it kind of is like that because they were going for a actually horrifying monster type vibe. So I guess like his weird neck and kind of the width of his head. <laughs> that he that he has a portrait of himself in his principal's office and then has two smaller portraits to just show the ends of his horns. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen the prices on canvas on the boiling aisles? It is absurd. Well, because if you had like one big giant canvas, there would be lots of empty space because it would need to be so wide. <laughs> yep. It just makes But sense. also hilarious that he has principal bump i i bet that the vice principal's office is literally like a cupboard under the stairs that he makes him work in yeah he's he probably works out of the janitor's closet yeah absolutely anything to put him in his place yeah fell seems like that kind of guy but yeah i love flashback episodes obviously and this was a really good one yeah, I also appreciate how they got separate voice actresses for Ida's teen adult and then older adult voices. Because it, it is true, you know, people's voices change as they age, and a lot of times they try and get these voice actors to play voices that's, like, way outside of maybe their vocal age. Like, they, you know, they try and sound younger, but they either don't pull it off or they're or they don't bother after a while, so it's like... A little bit immersion-breaking, but they they went out and found two more voice actors for one character for just the flashback episodes. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think that's becoming a lot more common these days. I mean, like, gone are the days of, like, on Hogan's Heroes, where you'll see the same actor portray, like, three or four different guest characters over the course of the series. Because it's like, well, these are the guys we have. Might as well send them in. You know, they'll find something. There are enough voice actors out there. I'm trying to think of... There was a character in this show who did have a younger version of themselves, but it was the same voice actor, and the voice actor just did a really good younger impression. Was that... No, I'm thinking literally of Kikimura. Never mind. <laughs> Kiki was literally... <laughs> oh, where she did a good kid voice. Yeah, yes. she did a phenomenal high school kid voice, and it fooled me for a bit. So, yeah, it wasn't even a flashback. That was just canonically <laughs> Kikimura's got that vocal range. <laughs> Great. Anyway, guys, that's it for us on Them's the Breaks, kid. Join us next week. Until then, I'm GC13. I'm Soren. And I'm David. Leave us a comment or a review. Later, everybody. Bye. Our opening and closing music is by Mark Soto. For more cartoon-related content, please visit LunarCeasefire.com. <laughs>